That's great. Um, so t- tell us a little more about, you know, how you practice coaching. Like for example, social determinants of health, socioeconomic factors affect uh, effect on health and cultural effect on health. That is becoming more and more apparent now as medicine really sees multiple avenues to cure and heal patients. So how do you factor in all those things in your coaching? And do you really think those factors are being considered enough in the current medical therapy and coaching field or should the providers be doing more? So I personally, and I think it's a personal opinion, right? I think it's a personal thing of do our, you know, do our kids need medication to be better? You know, if they're diabetic, would you give them insulin? Absolutely. You know, um, my kids have ADHD. They have thrived off ADHD medication and they're on the lowest dose. And, but I'm going to be honest, it took me a long time to wrap my head. Like, because I was so anti-medicine, I was like, nope, I can do it through behavioral modification. I can make the difference in them. And yet the growth that my twins, my eight year old twins made in six months after putting them on medication was beyond anything, you know, and they went from a preschool reading level to a second grade reading level in six months. And so, you know, (laughs) my personal belief is you don't need meds. But then when I've done it with my own kids, I'm like, oh, maybe sometimes you do, you know? So I feel like we're always shifting on what we believe. Um, I, I do believe that diet plays a big role into it. You know, when we're looking at the world today, the stresses that it plays on our health, even as adults, you know, our cortisol levels are up. We're depleted. We're, we're in adrenal fatigue, you know, because we're push, push, pushing. We're trying to be happy, but people don't know what happiness is. You know, um, I don't feel that antidepressants, because I was on antidepressants and that's not what helped me. I was on antidepressants. I was still suicidal and I was still depressed. It's when I got off of that, I shift my mindset I changed my life. I created a plan. I had a coach that helped me create the plan, the strategy to figure out what I wanted. And I closed that gap. And I think that's why I chose coaching. I think that that's why I did not pursue my psychology after my, my bachelor's degree. You know, I, I just like, you know what, I'm going to do coaching. I got trained in it. Um, you know, I'm a trainer for a huge speaker of the world that I continue to learn from and grow from and understand the strategies that he teaches to get that mind shift. And I get the results. And the downfall of coaching is it's not covered by insurance. It's an out-of-pocket cost, you know? So when I do get the clients that like, we, we you've been recommended to us, we know that you can help with these behaviors, whether it's autism, you know, Down syndrome, or just like people want to label the ODD, the oppositional defiance disorder, um, and they can't afford it because it's insurance don't cover it. I mean, I definitely recommend them go to your psychologist or go to your doctor, you know, get the mental health that your insurance will cover because some help is better than no help. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And no, I- parents need to realize parents need to realize do something instead of doing nothing. Correct, absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, just a little bit of uh, thought about what we do, you know, we are constantly striving at direct shifts to make access to care better for patients through making sure provider organizations always have healthcare professionals available to them. Because most of the times, you know, remote places, they don't have the, the, the right healthcare professionals. So the best way to improve access is to make sure healthcare professionals are available to the organizations that want to provide that care. 
So from a from a mental health perspective, uh, behavioral health, mental health therapy sessions, or psychologists, or coaching, etc. Do you think there is enough work being done to improve that access? First of all, what are the challenges in terms of access for patients, and how should you know patients from their side or other organizations? Just your personal view on how is the access shaping up? So I'm going to be totally honest and. So I left mental health because it was instead of adding more availability, they were taking it away. You know, there was a time that somebody can get like, you know, 10 hours of what was called CBRS provider. So you had a provider that would go into the homes and work with the kids or work with the adults or whatever. And then they took that away and they're like, "Oh, only HRI, which is a high risk intervention where you needed a a um a degreed person to do it." you know, um a mental health professional to do it. So then we would do that, but then our hours got taken away from us because the state says no, we're not going to pay for that. Then it was just case management. Well, what is case management? Do? You go into the home, you see that they're suffering, you make sure that they're going to their doctors that just keep giving them meds and meds and meds, but there's no behavior modification with it. There's no one teaching them the the life skills, the self-care that they need to learn. You know, medication wouldn't be so bad if there was also behavior modification with it and just use medication as a tool, not as an answer. And I'm just being honest, this is my real raw opinion, and that's why I left mental health. I like I'm done. I don't want to do mental health anymore because instead of giving access to what is needed, we've taken it away now. And I don't know if that's just my area here in North Carolina. I don't know if that's the world, but I mean, even talking to other friends that have kids with special needs or whatnot, they said no, it's everywhere. Like it's unaccessible and insurances don't want to pay it. Um, you know, I know like with even my insurance, like they were like, "Oh, we're going to change your meds. We're going to put you on the generic." And I'm like, "But the generic doesn't work." And they're like, "Oh, well, sorry, that's all we got for you." Like so you want me to take something that doesn't work for me or their answer was, "Oh, no, no, you just keep trying different ones that work." I'm not a lab experience, you know, experiment here. You know, I'm a human being. We know it works, so why would you take that access away from me? So when you're asking about this, it's it's the insurance companies that are taking it away from us. It's the it's the states that are taking it away from us. And then it trickles all the way up to the government. You know, what is accessible anymore? I don't know. But I do know that if you Google life coach, you'll find a bazillion of them. Why? Because we don't have we don't take insurance, so we're not you know put in a bubble that you could only work with me if this insurance company pays me it's either you 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 find what what you can do and when people say well I can't afford it you can afford it you always can afford it you just got to find and be resourceful to afford it and you got to say is it worth it to you you know is it worth giving up the cable the the junk food you know to have that extra money to pay for a coach or go without and then You know, people rather sit in their story that I'm suffering and there's no help. Help is always available. Yeah. Help is always available. You just got to use your resources to find it. And right, I think that right. is like how are people accessing this, you know? And that's a great question. I mean, now that they're taking so much away from us through the insurance companies and through mental health, you know, I, that's a great question. And yeah. that's what I always say, start with your doctor. <laughs> start yeah. with your physician. No, I think that's well said because um you know there should be more work done in making mental health more accessible versus the other way around. That's I think well said. And I think mental health as a practice, maybe psychologists, therapists, social workers 
um, has to be more encouraged. Uh, and I'm going. I'm, I'm going to ask you some questions about how has the pandemic really revealed a lot of this. But but I think you were very well said it. It has to be more encouraged. But before we go into you know, what are the new trends that have emerged, that lack of better access for mental health. Do you think coaching can actually help fill some of those gaps so that you know they have some help versus no help? And then potentially, you know, that can reduce their reliance on completely uh, bigger mental health and early interventions from a coaching perspective. Do you think can help fill the gap of this lack of access? Absolutely. What I would love to see, you know, and when you guys contact me, I'm like, what a great opportunity for these big companies to, to you know, contract with a coach that understands these different aspects of you know, closing the gap. What is it that you're looking for? You know, um, not here to diagnose, but to really get in and work with their employees. You know, it's just like some companies um, will hire a personal trainer, right? And they come in and they're like, you know, we're hiring this personal trainer. You guys need to show up. And this personal trainer is going to help us because we need to get our physicality right. You know, there was a time that the world's like, oh, we need to get physically right. So people were hiring, um, you know, these physical fit trainers to come into their, you know, Google and all these places. You know, we need to get our mind right. These companies need to hire us coaches. Don't rely on your employees to do it because what they make in this world, they can't afford that every day from us. But the companies that can use it as a tax write-off for their employees, give it to them as a benefit. You know, for the benefit, you know, we had a group of five coaches that each of you guys get, you know, every month you get one hour of coaching a month. Like even that, can you imagine that it's not sitting in your story about what's wrong? It's getting you out of what's wrong to see what's right and how to close that gap. Yep. Imagine what that would do for employees, the turnover, the, the productivity of these. And it doesn't matter what business you own, whether it's a medical, pharmacy, clinician, you know, it's how are we cultivating the relationship with the employees, with the people, the, the patients, you know, whatever it looks like. And yes, yeah, so coaching can close that gap. Yep, that's a great point that you have brought up. You know, there are newer models that are emerging as you might very well know, direct to employer primary care. Employers insurance or for people through employers still is the largest way for people to get insurance and employers very much have the responsibility and authority and capability to, to make this proactive care available, physical care as well as mental care. So that's actually well said. Uh, I think there is a lot of such need for such models um, for employers to intervene and make available to their employees, maybe a manufacturing company, a medical devices company, or a transportation company, you name it. Yep, that's, that's actually very well said. Um, so, you know, going a little bit into the newer trends that are emerging, you know, we are seeing now because of the pandemic, because of lockdowns or various reasons, unemployment or fear of what's going to happen, mental health issues have risen. Uh, there is data to support that. And now organizations are looking at, okay, how should that be better provided? Um, the organizations are looking at how to combine behavioral health right at the primary care, how to make behavioral health resources accessible to the primary care doctors. 
So a lot of those things are evolving now, predominantly because of what the pandemic has shown or what the pandemic has done. What, in your opinion, should happen so that a lot of these things don't reverse course? Like this pandemic will be over. As a human species, race, we are very resilient. This pandemic will be behind us. There is no doubt. But after this is behind us, what learnings should organizations like big employers, payers, providers, healthcare organizations should take from this to make that proactive mental healthcare, behavioral healthcare, or life coaching make it more accessible and available? What should they be doing? Well, first of all, we need to find the gift of the pandemic, the gift of learning that fear will either stop us or it will push us forward. You know, and in doing so, how are we mentally preparing everyone in the world for such a loss? You know, we took people living in abundance to people living in scarcity. People that even had abundance were going back into scarcity. You know, look at the stock market, how it dropped. Everybody, oh, I got to take my money out. I got to take my money out because everybody was living in scarcity. If everybody just left everything, the, drop, the stock market would never have dropped. Right? But everybody started pulling it, pulling their money out. So that's what happens, right? When the stock market drops. And then, but if you built a foundation in your company of appreciation, gratitude, mindset, seeing that there are no problems, there's only opportunities. What could we create going forward? But if we look at this as just a, a pause in our life for a big pause, right? A year, a year pause. We don't know when it's going to be done. So either we're going to sit and wait for it to be done or we're going to get out and do something like, and that's what we need to start looking at is like, we were all, we're all waiting. Stop waiting. Don't wait for the light at the end of the tunnel, go create that light. And that's the same attitude we need to bring into businesses. You know, we need to bring into, you know, why the heck were we, why can we not find toilet paper again? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, real, like out of all the resources, we need that much toilet paper, you know? Um, so when you ask me that question, it's really going back to mindset. It's going back to personal growth. It's getting back to, you know, what is our foundation? You know, one of my mentors, Tony Robbins says, if there's a crack in the foundation, your whole house is gonna come tumbling down. So I feel like COVID gave us an opportunity to find out where are our cracks and the time to start mending the cracks and fixing them to make it better. You know, I'm constantly, same with customer service. Y'all need to hire a coach because your customer service is supposed to service the customers. But when they're rude and they're more about protecting the company, you're not gonna have a company protection. You're not gonna have any more customers. You know, they need coaching. They need coaching on the different personalities that we all have. You know, I'm certified in the dispersonality modality. And I realized that when somebody has a different personality and we portray what our personality is because that's how our brain sees it and there's miscommunication and there's conflict it's not because one person was right or wrong it's because we had different personalities and the way i presented it did not 
coincide with your personality in the way you needed to receive it. But again, can you imagine if you had a hiring process and you put everything, everybody through the dispersonality and you started to realize like, yeah, that person's good there. Oh, that person's not good there. Don't put them in sales. They don't have an eye in them. Do not put them in sales because we're not going to make ourselves. And I mean, and there was a company that actually hired me to come do this for every one of their employees. They're like, we don't care about the cost. We care about the value of our company. I did it on 10 of their employees and the bosses. And it was amazing where they had to make little shifts. And once they did, how amazing their company is now. Just by understanding people's personalities and why one was communicating this way, one was communicating that way, and understanding fears and what people need. See, a behavior is simply a need that's not being met. Whether you're at your job, your home, or relationships, so when a behavior shows up and it continues to show up, it's because that person's getting that need met. How amazing if you knew what that need was, they wouldn't have the behavior anymore. And that goes with parenting, that goes with your kids, that goes with your employees. Got it, got it. No, that's well said. The behavior is just a need that's not met. So um, just, to, just to continue on your point, to propagate these messages about coaching for better behaviors, the need for coaching. The behaviors could be at a company, the behaviors could be consumer behaviors or personal behaviors. We know there is a lot of seniors that are struggling with respect to medication adherence, with respect to finding the right care. Sometimes it is behavior driven as well. So they might need more coaching to make sure their fears are reduced. Absolutely. So, put somebody, get a coach and put them in your customer service. So like if your customer service can't do it, you got a coach to bring their, you know, when emotions high, your intellect's low. That's a Tony quote. Your when your emotions are high, your intellect's low. So when somebody is frustrated that their needs do not get met and they're, they're upset and they're angry, the worst thing you can do is tell somebody, I understand, but. You don't understand if you're saying, but. Yeah. Because all you're doing is protecting your company now. That's when you need a coach that you send all these people to so they can de-escalate the problem, get to what the cause is, and give the company an opportunity to solve and resolve. Got it, got it. Yep, great point. You know, as, as an individual, we also know that you are a prolific writer, not, not just a practitioner of coaching, but you're also a prolific writer. And you're trying to get your message out there all the time, through speaking, writing, and we personally feel, you know, at, at Direct Shifts, the more people speak about coaching, behavior change, behavioral health, mental health, the more the organizations will hear about it, the more the decision makers will hear about it. So tell us more about what is happening in this space. You are writing things individually, but are there associations that are standing up for this? Are there organizations that are also trying to make the case what else is happening that you know our viewers and people that we work with should know and should support? Well, you know, so I know that there's many speakers out there that have many great programs and I'm not here to sell Tony Robbins, but I know that Tony Robbins has a huge arena for, you know, business, for personal growth. I know lots of Fortune 500 companies send their employees actually to Tony's stuff, especially virtual. They're virtual now. So, you know, 
you buy a ticket and you got your office listening to it, right? So it's even more powerful now because you can get more involved to heal. And that's what I love about Tony is that he's all about ending suffering. And especially right now we're suffering. We're in a, we're in a area of suffering. And you know, as Tony says, you can choose to suffer, you can choose a beautiful state, but you got to understand the difference. And so, you know, it just depends on what you're looking for and these companies are looking for. There's tons of people out there that are teaching the right things and they, they're doing it in a mass now. Like get your people out there, get your, get your companies out there, you know, invest in them because if you're investing in your people that work for you, they're going to give back to you, which gives back to the consumer, which keeps your company alive and thriving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So what you're saying is there are a lot of groups out there, there are a lot of organizations out there that are speaking about this. So one has to make an effort to go find out what that is, etc. And are these organizations are also, like for example, taking a step back, I saw so many um, letters out there that were written um, to have a nurse in the COVID task force of the new government, of the President-elect Biden's new task force, they have written saying we need a nurse there because the organizations felt that a nurse was missing and then they wrote and then they finally, you know, have a nurse now sitting as a part of uh, the COVID task force. So like that, I feel, you know, all the organizations, associations that you're talking about, all these prominent influencers, you know, should be out there talking about, frankly, what should the new government, new administration be doing to make coaching and mental health more accessible. Yes, and put us, allow allow insurance companies to pay us because we're, we're more in numbers. But I also think there needs to be some type of, if not licensure, something, right? Because everybody wants to go to one event and say, I'm a coach, I'm a coach, I'm a coach. So I feel like there has to be a standard, you know? I mean, because, you know, just like therapists, you've got good, great therapists that give you a great name. And then you got some that aren't so great that give therapists a bad name. So it's the same thing. I, I feel like there has to be a standard. If, if we're going to raise the bar where insurance companies acknowledge us, you know, then I think that we need to have a standard that we have to meet. Like I am, I'm a certified coach. I took time. Mm -hmm. I got schooling. I have a bachelor's degree. Like I have different education behind me that if somebody said you need to sit for a state board and these are the questions for coaching, I, I could probably do it today. You know, there has to be something if we're going to be seen as the professional. I just don't feel like coaches are seen that way right now. And so people come up, oh, I'm an executive coach on this. It doesn't matter what you are. There's no licensure right now. So we're not seen as the professional, you know, um, and yet that it doesn't stop me. You know, I have lots of clients, um, you know, I get the results and, you know, the best compliment I ever get is another referral, right? I mean, so I just feel like at this point in our life that coaches are so much more accessible now than getting into a doctor because we can do it this way. You know, I don't need to take your weight. I don't need to take your blood pressure. I don't need to know what medications you're on. I just need to know that you're willing and you want to change. That's all I need to know. Perfect. That's, that's great. You know, I'm glad you mentioned this because that's a nice segue into what I was going to ask you to speak about next, which is, you know, you mentioned now it is virtual. You, know, you are able to provide, a lot of organizations are able to buy a ticket and has access to the entire office, to the coach. It's virtual, you know. So 
I personally believe virtual should make the access more easy and should make the access better you know, than before. What should people seeking coaching do in order to now you know, gain advantage from this virtual care, virtual coaching that is available? What should they be doing? Um, and um, how has it made your opportunity to reach out to more people seeking such care, such coaching? Um, how has it provided that advantage to you? Can you speak a little about how virtual should be adapted more in order to provide more access to this? Yeah, you know, and yes, and I'll say this, it also goes back to your question about like, what do we need to learn from this, you know, moving forward, because one day COVID is going to be over. Let's not lose what we have learned from COVID, that businesses can succeed virtually now. You know, my kid's doctor's appointment, do you know how great it is that when they get home from school, I don't have to rush in the car, take them 25 minutes down to the road to the doctor, wait in a patient room, for another hour, then finally be seen. And then I get to do it by camera. I go check their weight, I give them the weight. I have their temperature taken at home. I give them the temperature and we see the doctor like this. This is what we do not need to let go of. You know, how many speakers now are touching millions of lives because it's a virtual? We cannot lose sight of what virtual has given us. And I understand people miss the touch. Humans need touch. I get that. So I'm not saying let's just stay virtual. I'm just saying, how do we commingle that? For me as a coach, I've always been virtual. As a matter of fact, though, I used to do it by phone. And COVID got me doing more Zoom because people wanted that connection so bad, right? So they were able to, you know, go into Zoom and see us. And so now I do all my coaching through Zoom. So I got off the phone and I got to see people now. Got it, got it. So from a a primary care perspective, as you said, you know, office visits are different now. You know, you can do it via Zoom, a lot of other telemedicine opportunities. Um, And sometimes when you need the testing, you go in and you do that. From a coaching perspective, can everything be virtual? Or coaching or mental health? Can everything be virtual? Yeah. Are there yeah. are there instances where people may need to take some tests, or you still need to see them? No, um, I mean for me personally, because I have a program where I actually move in with families for four days, and um, my picture of my my moment of getting to speak in front of thousands and thousands of people. Um, hey, <laughs> I when I move in with families, it's not something that I can actually do virtually. Like I cannot do my four day in-home turnaround virtually like that. That would not work, you know, because in my program, I live with the family. Like I don't stay in a hotel. Like I sleep in their home because I want to see everything going on even behind the scenes. So there is no time to, Oh, I'm going to pretend I'm okay. You know, when it's not okay. So for me personally, I, I need to be able to go into people's homes. Um, but my one-on-one coaching is definitely virtual. And so after I go into the homes and I do the coaching to make sure the changes that we made in those four days are sustainable, I do that coaching virtually. But um, COVID hasn't stopped me though. Like I still have families um, that I go, I wear my mask, you know, I, I take precaution. I mean, the thing about airlines right now is that they're very, and that's the other thing. After we get done with COVID, airlines need to stay this clean. <laughs> they need to stay this clean. Um, 
and we still need social distancing when we're getting on and off the plane, please. Um, but you know, I just, there's protocols with the family before I come, you know, make sure, you know, are you guys doing your best to, you know, stay put and not put yourself out there in big groups and stuff. You know, um, I just finished an event in Florida and I'm not going in big groups right now. Like even my coaching clients that I would see, cause I have a few that I see that are local. I'm not doing them face to face right now. Cause I just want to make sure that I'm good for 14 days before I'm putting myself out there physically, you know, in front of people where there's not social distancing or something. So, you know, I feel like it's just taking precaution and, um, but most of my coaching is definitely virtual. It's just the in-home turnarounds that are definitely not virtual and we've tried. So, but what I have done is I've made a six week online program that I'm getting ready to drop coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I've kind of taken my four day in-home turnaround and I've kind of put it in six week course where people can, you know, do their own type of in-home turnaround, you know, like to dissect things, like see what type of parenting am I, how am I, how are my parenting behaviors? What are my kids' behaviors saying, you know, um, and really looking at how do I make my kid feel safe so they stay open and they want to talk to me, you know, um, my book that, you know, um, that I've written that's, you know, teach your children that they're enough, you know, it's, it's all in that course. You know, if we want to see our future better, then we got to start taking care of our children better. We've got to start, you know, not blaming and shaming them. We've got to start teaching them how to celebrate their wins. Even though it may not be a win to you, if it's a win to your kid, let's celebrate it. You know, we got to ask, start asking our kids more of what they want and need versus us assuming that as the parent, oh, they need that. Yep, yep. You know, that's a great point that you brought up, which probably will be one of my last few questions. By the way, I can go on. It's, it's, it's a pleasure speaking with you. I've learned so much. I can go on and on. Um, I would probably some last few questions. You know, this early intervention and pediatric mental health or pediatric coaching and all these things, you know, you have laid so much importance on it. There still seems to be a myth or a perception in the community that when you have a physical symptom, it's okay to take you uh, to a doctor. Um, or to a care provider, but even after you have seen a mental symptom, there is still a fear and a shame aspect of it to really go uh, seek the right care, especially, you know, from a pediatric population. You know, it's, it's, I'm sure when you compare the number of pediatric providers in mental health and coaching space versus adult providers, I'm sure there is a disproportionate of providers in the adult space, even though there is a huge pediatric population that may be facing you know, those kinds of problems. So what would your recommendation to parents be uh, to make sure that the shame and fears, you know, all these things are minimized? So the shame and fear comes from a self proclaimed that I have to do it right. And is it my fault? So we have to get rid of judgment. We have to get rid of judgment because our kids are not our measurement tool if we're doing it right. When you know something's not right with your child and you take them to a doctor, you're doing it right. Whether there's something wrong or not, it's just you went on an instinct. I think, you know, with, with kids and coaching, what's great about kids and coaching is that, um, there's not so much a stigma with coaching because everybody has a coach. I mean, actresses have coaches, you know, there's so many coaches out there 
and like coaching is not a stigma yet because coaching isn't like something's wrong coaching is how do you want to make it even better so there's not much of a stigma with it and so i feel like you know with your with your answer is that for coaching i feel like we have a better rap right now per se because we're so new like coaching is such a new concept um as far as you know versus therapy and with therapy though i'm gonna tell you like there's no shame in my game if my son and daughter needed therapy i'm doing it my kids have tutoring i'm doing it my kids are on adhd medicine i'm doing it and i don't allow somebody else's judgment to say if i'm right or wrong i know i'm doing right by my kids and i ask them all the time how they feel about it i ask them what they need and as long as i have the open communication i don't care what anybody thinks about me you know i have older kids that have been arrested i don't use that as like oh i'm a parent coach how can that is their choice they've done something that was not right and they have their consequences not my deal but what i have learned is not to blame and shame them for it. it's to say what did you learn and what are you going to do better next time yeah yeah great point great point so there's a a comment here i have a nine-year-old yeah. Who's badly affected by lockdown and he was constantly on mobile phone and watching TV, which affected his behavior. So, what suggestions could you give to a parent to tackle this? Put boundaries. Okay. So, right now, if we as adults are feeling like abandoned, that we don't get to have our social time with our friends and family, how do you think a nine-year-old child's dealing with it? And they can't express it because their brain is not developed like an adult. So it's going to come out as behavior. So you in order to tackle that and i would want to get more information like i would need to know like some some things that are happening more so than just that but if we're just dealing with electronics set boundaries make their electronics be an award make a reward right like you have done so good that you know this is what you need also ask your kids what are they getting from it what are they getting from the the tv or the interaction with you know like i i know i have a client who plays playstation a lot it's not about the video game it's because they have the interaction with somebody else their age in a different country and it makes them feel their worth that's why i wrote this book and i it's free ebook by the way go to my website it's venueinspires.com ebook go download this for free go download this for free you will have lots of strategies to help your child feel their work so they don't have to keep going to the internet and connecting that way. There's so many ways our kids can connect. If we as parents can get resourceful for them and give them those connections, it will be so much easier for them. But you first, like I was just saying before, we can't assume what our kids need. We need to ask them, you know, what do you need? What do you get from this? What does it feel like to have this time? Is TV a distraction so they don't have to think about what they're missing with their friends? You know, what does TV mean to them? And that it starts with great questions. Yeah, yeah. Well said, absolutely. Um, Vino, I think you, know, you really summarize the need for early intervention, the need for coaching, mental health and behavioral health be more recognized. The need for decision makers, maybe employers, payers, provider organizations, government to make access to coaching and mental health and behavioral health 
more possible and more easier for organizations or for, for patients and people. And you mentioned that not everything needs to be treated by a pill. There are a lot of behavioral intervention techniques that can be used that have to be more accessible for people in order to perform better at a job or perform well in their life. A lot of these are great learnings for me, hopefully for all of our viewers. And we at Direct Shifts stand for making healthcare better and making mental health and behavioral health more accessible is just a part of that mission. So any final comments to our viewers and to organizations out there that they should remember from this uh, this episode? I just want people to realize that our mental health is our body, mind, and spirit. It's our body, mind, and soul. And we have to nourish it with the right nutrition, with our kids, with ourselves, exercise. And are there times for medication? Yes, if someone's truly bipolar, it is a chemical imbalance. They need medication. So I don't want to say, I don't want it to be misinterpreted that I'm like, no meds, because I'm not saying that. I, What I'm saying is if there's a medical necessity because of a proven brain chemistry or whatnot, then I get it. And we don't always have to go to medication to see the change that we need to see in ourselves or our kids. It's a mind shift. It's knowing that if you want better, you got to do better. Great. Well said. Thank you so much. You know, sharing stories from providers of care and coaching like you is just an honor. Thank you so much for sharing all your experience, your personal journey. It's definitely an inspiration for a lot of them. And I hope we have added some incremental value to your journey here. Thank you so much. Thank you.